This is The Odds Couple, presented by PropSwap.com, where America buys and sells sports bets. The Odds Couple, with Chicago radio legend Mike North and midday host Carmen DeFalco on ESPN 1000. Welcome into the Odds Couple, presented by Prop Swap. Carmen has the day off. Shane Orling sitting in with you. Mike North, as always. What's up, Mike? Oh, Shane, it's good to talk to you. All sorts of stuff. I mean, being a judge like myself, we got golf coming up. Yes, last week, 4-1. and That's good. You and Carmen have been on a heater. Yeah, well, Carmen was uh, had went 0-1, but the whole group of us went 4-2 total. But I hit with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, in five games, plus 175. And then I bet baseball this past Monday, and I'm like four and seven. But you know what's saving me? What's been saving me all year, and I'm thinking about just betting this for the rest of my life and forget about anything else, Jay. I'm thinking of betting golf because golf <laughs> yesterday, I go 3-0. and uh, I enjoyed watching a course that I could play. Hey, look, if you got five par threes at a U.S. Open, you picked the wrong course. And if you're worried about the weather, oh, if it's dry and windy, the course is tough. No, every course is tough if it's windy. It's The course should be tough to begin with. If you're going to play in the U.S. Open, it's been a joke. Uh, uh, Fowler, uh, to have two guys shoot 62 yeah. and to break a record that's never been approached for 127 years, Tells you what kind of joke it was. A bunch of guys uh, right now in the running. And when the cut line's plus one, that tells you how easy this course has been. Let's hope it's tougher today. Uh, But I'll have some picks along the way. But you're seeing the long hitters like Rory, Dustin Johnson. I think Rom's going to be back. Kepka. You're seeing these guys, Shay. As long as you can hit long. The fairways are so wide, you and I could hit them. So that's yeah. what kind of joke it is. Yeah, we got a lot to do on the show. We'll talk to Luper Gandhi. We'll talk to Jim Miller, as always, a little bit yeah. later. Uh, but we'll start, Mike, with the golf because, uh, look, I came in this morning. I was talking to Cap about it. He said there's nothing better than hanging out on the weekend, Father's yeah. Day weekend. You park your ass on the couch. Right. You watch the golf, and you live bet it. And I'm not the biggest golf guy, I'll admit. I don't watch. I, I tune in on Sundays for the majors. But I'm not locked in season right. long. I know enough to know who's good. You know, John sure. Rahm is always up there. Always. Scotty Scheffler's always up always. there. Always. But I saw yesterday, the, like you mentioned, the 62s to start oh. the tournament from Ricky Fowler and A Xander tragedy. Shoffley. And two hole-in-ones. What's going on at L.A. Country Club? What is going on in Los Angeles that everybody's just able to sink everything? There's no struggle on this golf course whatsoever. Some of the lowest scores. Mike, I think I read only four golfers uh, were under the minus five-and-a-half prop. No doubt about it. And and this is another thing. What a tragic uh, couple weeks it's been for the PGA with Monaghan, the rat that he is. And with the deal that they cut, and that isn't even clear yet. And now Congress is going to look into it. So this thing's going to be going on for a long time. Then you got this. Who owed who a favor to where you would put it here? Now, I don't care what happens the rest of the way. The course, like you said, two hole-in-ones? Are you kidding? Uh, you know, the low scores that they had? So many guys shooting under par? 
and 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 you got five par threes, which I can't believe. Look, I shot ninety six on my course. I live two two minutes away. I shot ninety six. I broke a hundred. I was proud of myself. But we only have four par threes. And the one thing that I am strong on, even me, a hacker, is par threes. And when twenty percent practically <laughs> of your golf shots and our U.S. Open are par threes, and plus you have 62-yard, 70-yard wide. Even I can hit those. If you even hook one, if you slice one, you got a good chance of landing in a fairway that wide, which is longer than half a football field. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I watched a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just turned the TV on, and right. it looked like a course I could play at. If you know anything about me, I, Absolutely. Am, I am not much of a golfer. I feel like I could have driven the fairway on half these holes. And it, like you, the thing I don't understand, too, is when I look through the leaderboard <laughs> and then I start to look at some of these live odds. Uh-huh. It's Ricky Fowler plus 650, and feels like to me the Ricky Fowler has been in this position before where he has a really nice opening round. Maybe yeah, but this enters wasn't the second a nice weekend. opening round. This was the best ever. This was historic, Shay, and here's the deal. It's about who did it. And, and, and you know what? Uh, are people overreacting today? Maybe. Maybe the wind will come. But if your course depends on the weather, then it's not worth playing there. I mean, Augusta's tough no matter what. I mean, maybe they should start refiguring these courses because with the equipment going better, I mean, basically, I made the analogy, and by the way, hello to our producer, Eric Ostrowski, today, to you guys before the show, that it's basically the NBA playing with 9-foot, 8-foot, 9-foot baskets. It's, it's baseball right now if the home run porch is 290, you know, or, or center field's 320. That's how easy this course looked yesterday. I've been, watch, I've been watching golf since the 60s. When you go, you know what you want to see as a, as a casual fan? Forget me, I'm rabid. I like, to, I like to bet golf and thank God for golf. It saved me because baseball, I've been ice cold. Golf, I've been hot. But I, I can't even imagine 50 years ago, I never went around because this was no such thing. I never went around, Shay, going, well, forget about football. We got golf coming up we can bet. That wasn't even <laughs> heard of. And now I, I'm married to the game, and it's easy if you if you handicap and you look at numbers. It's easier than betting football or anything else because it's matchup. It's man-on-man. Well, yeah, and you get – I mean, if, I wouldn't recommend everybody just bet outrights because they're so hard to win. But if you're right, you will get paid and for you your opinion. Bet. Right, you can live bet some of these. I mean, I'm looking through the list right now. John Rahm, who was near the top of the board always a good at bet. Open, you can get it 18-1 to 1 now. Yeah. Like, Scotty Scheffler opened the favorite. You can get him plus 650. Xander Shoffley right, right now the favorite at plus 320. Even if you took Shoffley, who has this commanding lead with the historic 62, mm-hmm. you're still going to get 3-1 to one on your money. Uh- this is a sport... Mike, you're going to get paid for your opinion. It's like horse racing. Right. I'm going to give you this, Shay. I'm a matchup golf guy, so I like to bet the matchup. So I'm looking. It's Kepka versus McElroy yesterday. Now, I'm down already because I lost a baseball game. I'm going, okay, this game's not till later on today, or this match. Kepka was minus 120. I go, wait a minute. The king of the majors against struggling Rory? who can't put four tournaments together, so I bet. I put a little bit. Well, not a little, but I put a substantial amount on Rory. He whipped Kepka's ass. You never know what's going to happen. I know what everybody's – I'm making a big deal about how good Fowler did at Shoffley. 
But there were some guys like Justin Rose that looked like they didn't belong on a miniature golf course. So I understand it's been a bad scene the last couple of weeks. I just think this course was too easy for this type of tournament. It's it certainly looks that way. But like, would you buy in? I know John Rahm always worth a buy. Absolutely. But you look at some of these guys like Kepka a little down now, forty yes. to one in the odds. I but stay away. We're playing at a course, Mike. You can shoot a sixty-two. It feels like this is anybody's tournament. Kepka hit the ball. I mean, there were there were guys hitting the ball out of bounds. I go, how do you do that? I mean, because they were wide open. Look, it, it, right now it's a wide open tournament. What I like to do is uh, I'll bet one today. I might have the bonus round at one forty-eight. I might come up with a matchup because it's an afternoon slot of uh, of matches. Uh, but what I like to do is wait till Saturday or Sunday, and Sunday I like to live bet. I've done well the last three or four weeks, but if you live bet and you lose, you're in trouble because you can lose track about how much you're betting if you think you're going to win, and all of a sudden you start counting, and we've all done that, going, oh, I didn't know I lost that much. Yeah, you got to be careful, keep obviously. Track, always, baby. always keep track. That's yeah, right. The other thing, Mike, if you can offer any insight on this, I've always been told one of the best ways if you want to make money in a tournament, you want to yeah. bet it day to day. Yeah. Matchups on days are oh, a good way to go. Matchups. But one of the best things that you can get into is the three ball matchups. Yes. Picking somebody to win their threesome. It's another spot where the favorites, you're often going to see the favorite in a three ball getting yep. plus 150, plus 200. That's You'll right. get paid if you have an opinion in some of these spots i don't know if the three balls are all up yet today they are but those are some i always like to look at see where i can find a little advantageous you know what I'm gonna do for you because you don't such a, you do such a great job oh thank you you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna have a three ball matchup at the end one of our picks that's what i'm gonna do the shay norland three ball matchup pick by the by mike Bingo. I appreciate that because you know I, I just Mike. I told you, man. I'm not the biggest golf guy. I don't want to pretend. You will be someday. like I have all the insight here. Wait till you turn seventy. You'll go. When's golf on? Something I keep hearing. One of my friends was just telling me about this. He's yeah. like, if all his life he was a baseball guy, fell in Absolutely. love with the sport as a kid, and then he turned, and it was like clockwork. He turned 38, and he's like, I'm in love with golf. I watch golf all week, every week, all the PGA events. I mean, he's it's sad. I used in. to worry about the Bears, and then uh, a few years back, the wife goes, you want to get frisky? I go, the Masters are starting. I mean, that's a problem. I mean, you know, that's just the way it is, golf. It, 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 it's because it's betting now, Shay. You couldn't bet on golf before. Nobody did that. And now that there's betting in golf, that's good for everybody involved. That's why this whole PGA Saudi thing is a mystery to me, how this whole thing came about, because there was money to be made the way it was. Yeah, and obviously the money is always going to be... And nobody's talking about it. Isn't that funny? Well, it is interesting. And who because knows what's going to happen... Tournament. And who knows what's going to happen in Congress if this is actually going to stand up. Brooks Kepka put his foot in his mouth. I read the headline, uh, said everybody should forgive Saudi Arabia. Nobody's perfect. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Unbelievable that line from Kepka. That was DeChambeau, too. They're saying the same thing. Hey, nobody's perfect. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Don't say that. Not There's everybody. No gag rule. We all have uh, blemishes in our track record, Mikey. Is that what I hear? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Everybody does if you've been around, but that's a crap. <laughs> but you, hey, as far as I know, no matter what I've ever done, I've never said, hey, bring the Saudi guy with me. You know? Yeah, well, this yeah. is the odds couple presented by Prop Swap. We'll be right back. Talk with Luke Pergandi on the other side. 
You're listening to The Odds Couple. With Carmen DeFalco and Mike North. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. All right, welcome back to The Odds Couple, presented by Prop Swap. Talking with Luke Pergandy here. And Luke, I want to start off, I have a personal question for you. I'm holding on to a ticket that is burning a hole in my pocket, and I need to know if you think I should hold on to it or if I should sell it. I bet before the Major League Baseball season started, the Texas Rangers to win the West at plus 1050, and I'm holding on to it and looking at Houston and the news this week about Altuve and McCullers is out for the season and Alvarez is going to take a month to get right. Yeah, Alvarez is out for a while. Is this worth hanging on to or do I need to cut bait? So your odds currently on the Rangers are plus 135 to win the AL West. I mean, I don't know if you listen to this show, but typically my advice is if you can sell near minus money, that's the time to do it. So you're close, right? You're, you're, you know, a few bucks away from getting into minus money territory. And then say you post it at minus 105. It may sell. Say we find a Texas Rangers fan who buys it from you. Take some of those sale proceeds and just go rebet the Rangers. So you're still happy if they win, and you know you're halfway into June. You took some money off the table. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, you know what's a bad idea if you had the Florida Panthers, Luke? How did that whole thing work out for you guys? I know that uh, they're still buzzing about Vegas. It's only been a, a short existence in the NHL, but as far mm-hmm. as prop swaps concerned, you know, uh, Florida pulled off. Basically, what um, the Miami Heat did, uh, it looks like, that they got to the finals and then uh, fizzled out. How did everything work out? Was there a lot of Vegas money uh, on the table still? Yeah, yeah. So they're very similar situations. Two Florida teams had crazy long shot odds and then right. painstakingly, you know, painstakingly close to winning it. And of course, with Profsloff, if you timed it properly, you know, the Miami Heat were 250 to 1. They got down to plus 220. So if you timed it properly, you're talking about a 100x return if you sold it on prop swap on the heat. And then Panthers, kind of same thing. They were 150 to 1. They got down to plus 110. So, again, if you're timing those sales properly, you could have made 100 times your money wow. on prop swap. And obviously both of those two teams lost. Wow. Anything on the other side in the NBA with Denver? It felt like... Everybody was kind of assuming Denver would boat race the Heat and winning five. I know Mike yeah. hit that ticket. Yep. And is there anybody that was able to get a nice timed sale in there with the Heat picking up a win? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, once that series was tied one-to-one, we saw a nice flurry of activity. I think I personally, I thought the Heat could have won game three. I was wrong on that one. Um, but, yeah, once that thing was tied up and the, the Heat stole one in Denver, there was a ton of activity. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, sold tons of, of Nuggets futures as well. Not nearly as long of odds with the Nuggets relative to the Heat. They were maximum around 18 to 1, Denver was. So, but yeah, we paid well into the six figures on, on winning Nuggets futures as well. So, you know, all in all, I think Props Up customers made a ton of cash. You know, I remember us talking about this guy uh, three years ago, Luke, uh, four years ago, and, and, and we hit on it. But I also remember talking about the freak, too, and how he, we thought he was the best player in basketball. They say that Jokic ballooned from 221 to 239. It doesn't matter. I couldn't tell anyway because it seems like it was solid weight. I'm looking at who's in the running for winning an NBA title. 
Uh, they're still being disrespected as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Jokic is still being disrespected. I mean, you, people just can't admit when they're wrong. Uh, I, I, I would have to, no matter what their odds are, I would probably put money on them before anybody else right now. How about you? Yeah. No, I mean, they're, they're an excellent team. Of course, Jamal Murray hasn't been healthy for, you know, two seasons. So with him back, and of course you have, you know, two out of the last three years, MVP and Jokic. I mean, they're, they're a really good team. Um, you know, we'll see where KD goes, Kevin Durant. It seems like he's going to stay in Philadelphia. I think give him another season with Booker. I think they'll be a really good team. Uh, don't cut out the Lakers. You got LeBron and AD and then of course the Warriors. So it's, it's, it's a tough, tough conference. You know, but I, I would agree with you. They're still probably the best team um, top to bottom. Yeah, what about the the other side of the NBA there, the Eastern Conference? The Celtics, kind of baffling finish to the season, but they're the second favorite in title odds right now. Still some questions. What are they going to do with Jalen Brown? Sounds like extension is likely, but is there any other team you would look at in the East and go, look, the Celtics haven't been able to get it done Maybe they, again, don't get it done. Who else would you look at in that conference? Yeah, I mean, I've always liked Philly. Um, you know, it seems like this team just can't get over the hump. So, you know, one of those teams where you buy them now at 18 to 1 odds and then can sell it once they get to the conference semis would be my strategy. But I think it'll be one of those two teams. Maybe Cleveland and Cleveland could, um, you know, they kind of fizzled at the, um, in the second half of the season this year. But I do like Cleveland, obviously, with Spider going to, to Ohio. I think they're a, they're a formidable team in the East. Well, I'll tell you what, Miami, and before we let you go, I got to say Miami uh, is a team, of course, we all know will probably look for somebody, whether it's Van Fleet or somebody like that, to help out with their team. It's going to get better. Real quick, the U.S. Open. Yesterday yeah, was, U.S. Open's rolling but, right now. Oh, it's rolling for you, and it's the perfect scenario for prop swap. There's, like, all sorts of people in the running. Nobody's going to tell me Fowler's winning this thing. Uh, you know, I just yeah. think that he – they caught lightning in a bottle yesterday, and they caught everything right for them. Maybe that's the easiest course of all time. We'll find out. But this is a busy time right now. Where are you seeing the predominance of tickets? Uh, Ron, like uh, Shea was saying, 18-1. to 1, And then uh, you got some other guys like Scheffler. Are the favorites starting to still, uh, you still feel the favorites are going to come on at the end. Yeah. So Ricky opened at 50 to one odds. Oh, oh, he is yeah. now down to six to one. Sell that. So yes. that is a monster profit. <laughs> We've been selling tons of him. I agree with you, Mike. I, I don't see him finishing this. The only no. thing I can think of that can back it up is he is from, he's from outside the San Diego area. It's a town yeah. called Marietta. The only thing I can think of is that he's played this course a lot just as a kid growing up down there. Yeah. So, you know, potentially advantage him over like a Rory, who of course is from Ireland. Um, but I agree with you. If I had a 50 to one follower ticket in my pocket, I can sell it at new odds of six to one. Right? I'm selling that, selling that every time. Um, you know, Scheffler, Scheffler is basically second odds wise. But he is he I believe can't he's five strokes back. <laughs> like he, it's crazy how much he's crazy. He's so good. He, so I mean, he's, he, he's he playing out putt. of his mind. Exactly. Yeah, and the Rom eighteen to one is like eye popping because I know every tournament it feels like he's the favorite, him or Scotty, and eighteen to one feels like a huge buy spot to me. I don't know if it's worth it. You brought up Ricky Fowler, always the bridesmaid, never no. the bride. I could not get behind that at all. No. Yeah, yeah. you can't. Yeah, so Rom is he's pretty far down the leaderboard. Um, 
Gush. He's, he's minus one, his mind. and you got Xander minus eight. So he's seven strokes behind. Yeah, that's that's a tall you know mountain to climb. But I, your scores are low. Obviously, these guys are hitting. You know, they're just hitting the cover off the ball, and they're making putts left and right. So. Um, it is a low-scoring event for sure. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, buddy. We appreciate you joining us, and I, you're right. The putting, everybody's talking about the fairways and everything else. The putting's been outstanding. Luke, take good care of yourself, my friend. Thank you, Mike. Bye, Shay. See you, Luke. Enjoy the uh, <laughs> enjoy the open. Luke Pergandy, prop swap. Always a pleasure to talk to him. Mike, yeah. we're going to get to the baseball in a minute, yeah. but the breaking news about really? a half hour ago now. Yes. If you had given me. Wait, is this like Walter Cronkite stuff? Whoever now, you don't even know who he is. is I know who like... Walter Cronkite. How oh, young okay, do you sorry. think I am? What are you? Well, I'm like I don't a... know. I, I mean, he was. I mean, he I think I just fell out of the womb. I don't know who Walter Cronkite is. No, I'm just saying, if I, if I ask a kid tomorrow who's Walter Cronkite, he might say he's an astronaut. I don't know. Well, kids these days, they don't care about the no, news. They have kids. Okay. Uh, the breaking news in the NBA about a half hour ago, if you had offered me a number that I could have bet on a John Morant suspension, I would have said no lower than 40 games. And this thing comes out, Mike, at 25. He's got 25 games? 25 games, officially. Adrian I thought he was going to get like, the out. whole season. Yeah, everybody was talking about half a season, a full season, 60-game suspension, yeah. and he comes out 25 games. There was a good point made. The NBA changed the rules so that you have to play 65 games to be eligible for awards mm -hmm. and postseason teams. Yeah. And so th if this gets him out of that. He'll lose eligibility for sure. Supermax dollars. But still, 25 games feels like an, a very low number. Yeah, I thought so. I thought, yeah, I, mean, I heard people say the whole season because he really uh, flaunted it. And, you know, the toy gun crap, that's a bunch of the worst thing you could do. I could tell most of these newscasters never grew up, or these people with opinions on TV, <clears throat> never grew up in some dangerous areas. You pull out a toy gun and you wave it around it, you're in trouble if somebody's got a real gun. I think it was a real gun. I think he flaunted it. I don't believe, I don't think he's all that. I, I'm sorry. He's an individual ball player. He's great. No doubt about it. But I don't think, I, I mean, Memphis is going to be hurting, no doubt about it, without him. But I didn't plan on them winning anything in the future. I think he gets a lot of hype, and I think his mind's not focused on basketball, and maybe this will teach him a lesson. 25 games without pay, hopefully, uh, is something that should probably wound him a little bit. What's interesting, too, though, is when you think about win total overs, this is a team who was a two-seed in the West. Yeah. Went out and won so many games. Only losing Ja for 25 games, they played pretty well without him. Yeah. This is a spot where maybe – Start to wonder, can Memphis turn the trick and do that again? I don't know. Did you ever think, though, you know, I used to say Aaron Rodgers, is, a, and he still is a regular season hero. He's got one Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, he puts all, he's a stat. Yeah, player. and everybody talked about that, that yeah. Memphis felt like a, an 82-game oh, team I never, and not a 16-game team. Did you ever worry about them? No, I thought they were never. fraudulent from the I start. I too. And, it, you know, that, that's something that happens in the NBA, especially now with load management and the Heat being an eight seed load when they probably were much joke. better than that. Teams are resting, guys. They're playing, you know, 55, 60-game seasons. They're not worried about playing 82. Uh, so I, you see a lot of teams end up as eight seeds like Miami, Miami was way better than an eight. Now, they, they played over their heads in the playoffs, but they were no eight seed. No, but the Bulls could have ended them. That's the funny part about this. If you go way back, yeah. the Bulls could have they ended them. They had a lead in the fourth quarter, Mike. Went by six for three minutes to go. It was unbelievable I, losing I, that game. I, that's right. And, and you know, I, I, got, I, got, I, I don't need a crystal ball, folks. I don't need. Been around a long time. The crystal ball's tarnished. I got to dust it off. <sighs> 
Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball. We may never see him in uniform again. The only guy, I mean, the only, right? Am I right or wrong about him? Yeah, I, who knows? It sounds I like mean, he that, might that never play I mean, that ruined everything, it seems like, because he was, a, he was a threat. He was a decent ball player. I thought, you know, but I just, it, 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 and now they're, they're shopping Levine. Yeah. Right? So it'll be interesting to see what happens, Mike. The Sox, not hot. The Cubs, oh. hot. We'll talk about the baseball next. It's the Odds Couple presented by PropSwap. This is The Odds Couple with Chicago radio legend Mike North and midday host Carmen DeFalco. The Odds Couple on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. All right, welcome back to The Odds Couple presented by PropSwap. Shane Orling sitting in for Carmen today who is out. And got to talk a little bit of the baseball. Cubs getting hot at the right time. Swept the Pirates at Wrigley Field just three and a half games back in the NL Central. The Central divisions in both leagues are absolute jokes. The Cubs right now are the only team in the NL Central with a positive run differential. They're six games under 500, and they're only three and a half games back. Mike, they're starting to hit the ball. You get Cody Bellinger back. Cody Bellinger comes back. All he does is get an RBI double. They put in a lefty to face him, thinking that's going to be the magic. They'll get him out. Nope. Drive down the line. Double. Scores some runs. Christopher Morrell, three for three with an RBI triple. I, this team, when they're right, they mm-hmm. feel like they can beat anybody. When they're wrong, boy, do they look bad. But they're right there in the division race in the Central. And with the teams above them, the Pirates, you know, the Reds and the Brewers, none of those teams have played particularly great baseball. The Pirates have been the best of the bunch, but it doesn't feel super sustainable with how young that team is and the pedigree that they have. Jack Swinski's been a revelation, but other than that, they've kind of just been guys playing over their heads. With the Cubs, tell me I'm crazy. Does it feel like they could actually win this division, even if they aren't going to win 85 games? I looked at the division before the season. I bet the over 77 and a half. I was on the under. Yeah, I took the over. I still have hope in that. Uh, now, granted, this year I decided not to bet Tampa Bay over. After I bet them over last year, they let me down. I did the same thing. Yeah. Mike, the Rays killed me at the end of the Absolutely. season last year. They, they killed they, me, too. They were so close to getting it done. That's I think right. I had it at 90 and a half, and they That's ended right. with, what, 88 or 89? Exactly. So here's what I'm going to say about the Cubs. I'm up. I'm hot and cold with Ross, the way he handles the pitching staff. But that being said, your manager looks good when your players are all healthy. Now, Bellinger, you brought up something a couple weeks ago and people say Mike you, you, you listen everybody just thinks you talk no I listen I listen to my partners and Shay said you know he started bringing up a war and this and that when we got to Aaron Judge and Otani now Otani's fantastic there's no doubt and after last night he hits a home run and he pitches great yeah he's a uh, favorite to win the MVP but what Judge does is what Bellinger does the Cubs have a losing record when either guy and the Yankees too when they're out of the lineup and they only average three runs a game like the Yankees when Judge is out of the lineup. When Bellinger's in the lineup, they look like a different ball club. I don't care if you play him in center. I don't care if you play him at first. I'm watching the team last night. They have an extra skip in their step. 
They just seem like a better overall ball club just by yeah. his presence. Am I crazy or what? They, no, see, they lose when he doesn't play. They win when he does, it seems it, like. And I know they were on a little winning streak before he came back. It felt like Wrigley got loud to see him again. Exactly. Everybody was energized. Like, the whole building was energized and by his presence. Great. Stroman's been fantastic. Better than I thought. Now, I don't know if you look at some of the peripheral numbers. I know you're not the biggest analytics guy, but if you no. look at some of those, it, it, he's due for regression. At some point, he's not going to get away well, with... Don't bet against... Uh, you know, I, bet, I bet against them yesterday. The re- regression didn't happen, and by the way... It's I going just, to. Like it's, uh, Yesterday, I saw, what was well, it, the second inning? He's given up 110 exit velos, and it's just Nico Horner making beautiful plays and place. saving him in the infield. Him and Dansby Swanson together up the middle have saved Stroman's life over and over this season. At some point, if those ground balls turn into line drives, it's going to get him in trouble. I want to give a salute to the Sawinski family and to your son who plays center field for the Pirates, who played at Taft High School right off the expressway there. I just want to say that's awesome. He's got 15 homers, hell of a ball player. Cheers to the Sawinski family who probably listened to the odds couple. Uh, that being said, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, it... it Look, a, a a player can make a difference, and, but but the thing is, you got to worry about. Are you? Do you feel good about the Cub bullpen? And do you feel good about what what what? I don't. Doing? I don't feel good about the Cub bullpen at all. And and that's the problem. Do they go out and buy? I I think they got to. It's the divisions forcing them to, right? Absolutely. Like any other season. And why wouldn't you get stronger? Jed Hoyer talked about this. He said as much. Any other season, they would already be selling. They would already be at the point where the record is what it is. It's shown them who they are. The bullpen's not working out. Stroman's a great piece. Bellinger's a great piece. You can get Halls back, especially this year because the starting pitching market is so thin and everybody wants one you could get a haul for Stroman, but you look at the standings and you're six games under 500. You're three and a half out in the division, and it feels like you can get things done if everything just starts to go the way I'm, it's been. I'm, I'm with you. I think you got to look at your competition, and you got to look at what you can do. I don't think the Cubs uh, came into the season. Uh, the reason I bet the over, I mean, this team, Dabney Swanson was a good pick. Yeah. I mean, Horner's been fantastic. You got a hundred and eighty million dollar payroll, and, and, and if outside of the bullpen, it feels like this right. team is. I'm not saying they're a World Series contender, but in a bad division, hey. could they put some things together? If you go out and sell a couple pieces from your minor league, could you go Anything get some bullpen can arms? Can you go and, get somebody? Absolutely. And yeah, that's where. I look at this, and and it's the opposite thing on the south side where I think they're going to trick themselves into thinking the division's winnable. They feel the same way. I know that they think the window's still open. They don't have the appetite to sell. And the AL Central, unbelievably, is worse than the NL Central. The worst thing that ever happened to White Sox fans is they're not all that educated. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. That's not right. Yeah, it is right. Because uh, you got duped. I wasn't educated at one point. I was a fan. And you, if you're a Homer fan, you still can be critical. Everything was going to work. Eli was going to work. Uh, Mankata was going to make us forget Chris Sale. Yeah, Mankata right back on the I.L. I mean, he's on the I.L. I'm not saying, I'm just saying that I shouldn't say it that way. They got to be better at not trusting the people that are putting things together. That's all. I'm not saying that that the White Sox are are all that. You're shocked because 90% of the fan base thought the rebuild would work, and I don't think they're that savvy. 
I mean, it's unbelievable. I think, I think, I think, Del, I think it was ignorant, and we're going to see it in football too, to think that you can just automatically turn it on and turn it off because you pick up other people's prospects. It's been 15 years of basically the same front office. Absolutely, longer. And it's hard to think of a trade that they've won. I mean, there's they gave up, and I know people don't like to relitigate everything, but you traded Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields. You know, when I thought, when I brought up, I wouldn't, uh, when I brought up, I didn't like the sale trade. I got buried on Twitter. When I brought up, I don't think Eloy's going to, I got buried on Twitter. By who? By White Sox fans who watch their minor league highlights that were featured on TV. They don't do that anymore. I mean, now, oh, Gavin Sheets would hit a home run. They'd show you what he did at Charlotte. Or, or Eloy would hit a home run. Look, or, or he'd make a great catch. They pushed this on everybody, and, and most people bought it. It doesn't look good, does it, Shay? No, it, it really doesn't, would Mike. And that's, well, that's what I was going to get at is when you look at the Central, and I know it's attractive because you feel like when healthy, you probably have the best lineup. You have, at worst, the second-best starting rotation. The bullpen's been really good in stretches. But it does kind of feel like this is the time where you have to be honest with yourself and be a little introspective we made and a look mistake. in the mirror and just go, right. we haven't done enough. This isn't working out. We could be good if, 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 if. All of those ifs aren't going to hit at the same time. Maybe you need to finally just trip over yourself into saying, let's get rid of some guys and let another team make a mistake and actually help us by well, trading yeah, us one of their good players. The rebuild after four years of yes, 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 after a year and a half. And by the way, I got to give Bob Nightingale, great baseball writer, who knows his stuff, credit. He says Larusa, what he did was almost like a genius to be 500 with this team. But that's what people to, have said. He won nine games it into with the this playoffs, And to make it into the playoffs with this team, he says, well, look back. And it was nothing short of genius. So all the critics of Tony LaRussa, I want the history books in five years to look back and see how this team overachieved, not underachieved, and the scapegoat was Tony LaRussa because he did make some bad managerial moves and he did ball off his axis. I'm not going to lie about that. You know, don't forgetting about, you know, walking. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to praise Tony LaRussa too much. I think there were a lot of questionable but decisions. But they did perform. But, yeah, he milked a lot out of a team that now is starting to look like may not have been all that. I heard Pedro last night. Pedro, he's already a defeated guy. You know, I know he was never a manager before, but he needs a little fire. He does, and I know it's hard. Uh, it was a well, tough I wanna, loss. I don't want to put it on him either. He inherited this team. It's his first go-round. I think he's shown a little bit of savvy in how he's managed the bullpen at times. He's working with the pieces that have been given to him. It's just the pieces aren't good enough. You know what's funny, though? I mean, you know, I, I, I understand that, and he is a player's manager. He was a bench coach his whole life. I think he'll fit in. I'm not blaming him completely. But uh, he has not made me forget the last manager, period. It's not been good. So there you go, some baseball talk. Yeah, I love baseball talk. Uh, who doesn't? A little and bit of baseball in the summer. we love the White Sox and Cubs. We want them to win. I'm going to go to baseball when we give you our picks for the weekend. Oh, in the next segment, we'll talk to Jim Miller. This is The Odds Couple presented by PropSwap. This is The Odds Couple with Carmen DeFalco and Mike North on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to the Odds Couple presented by Prop Swap. Jim Miller on the line. Jim, what's up, man? How you doing? 
Good guys. Hey, what's up, Mikey? Shay, everything's good. It was weird last week because there was a lot of good news, even though we didn't have the winner of the Belmont. But think about this. For all the years of Triple Crown races, last week was the first time ever that a female trainer won a Triple Crown race. Trainer Jenna Antonucci with the horse named Mark Angelo was the winner at 8-1. to one. So a very cool story, which was a nice way to kind of end the Triple Crown season after really a whole lot of controversy the first couple legs. Yeah, you know the Triple Crown? I got to ask you about this. We talked about it last week, but let's go a little more in depth on this. If we decided to spread it out a little more instead of like three races in five or six weeks, which is supposedly too tough with all the even greater training techniques, but we're also worried about the breeding and everything else. But if they did make it a month or two apart, let's say they did it every two months, had, had a different race, and you moved it, wouldn't there still be horses holding out anyway because they won the Kentucky Derby? They didn't want to take a chance. They want them to go right into breeding. Wouldn't you still see the breeding money still overtake it, even if you move the dates a little bit, Jimmy? Jim? Look at these sales. Everything's so expensive. They, they, they're million-dollar racehorses. I mean, and they're million-dollar racehorses at the breeding shed. What would happen, Mike, though, if you talked about kind of stretching out the Triple Crown? Absolutely. It's just, it brings a whole different kind of set of circumstances into it because now instead of saying, hey, I need to get a horse ready for a five-week stretch, think about trying to keep a horse at the top of its form over the course of, say, four months. If you were to go even every 60 days between races or a month between races, it is. It's a whole different set of training techniques. I think it's something that can be explored. There's some that are going to say, hey, the history of the Triple Crown is the history of the Triple Crown. Three races in five weeks, that's why it's so tough. But it's just as tough to keep a racehorse fit, healthy, and at the top of its game over an extended period of time. And it's why you don't see a whole lot of horses that run in the Kentucky Derby each year coming back and running in the Breeders' Cup Classic at the end of the year because you're looking at six, seven months in between those races, and that's very hard to do with the racehorse as well. Yeah, what's fascinating to me, Jim, and I'm not a, I'm not a huge horse racing guy, but I've noticed the Kentucky Derby horses. Only one of them raced in the Preakness, and then obviously we had the yeah. Belmont. What what is going? Can you explain to me a little bit? And I don't want to be a buzzkill, but what is going on in this sport where all of the sudden we're hearing about all the horse deaths? Where races uh, horses are pulling out of the Preakness? There's so sure. much that seems like it's overshadowing the events. And a lot of it is overshadowing the events. And first off, just leading into the Derby and horses coming from the Derby to the Preakness, things have changed because it used to be just based on earnings leading into the Kentucky Derby. So a horse could have one great race and have enough earnings to get into the Derby. Now, in recent years, there's been a point system installed. So because of that, you have to earn points to get into the Derby. And what it does is it requires horses now to run two, three, maybe even four of these prep races leading up to the Derby which makes it much tougher on these horses then to bounce back so quickly. So that's the one change that's happened. And the second change, too, is something that really is is a, kind of a battle for the racing industry. When you do talk about horse deaths on the racetrack, it's one of the unfortunate things in the game that does happen. And it's not necessarily horses that were racing in the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness or the Belmont, but it does happen over the course of a racing day. And it's so much different with a racehorse because you're talking about a 1,000-pound animal that can't necessarily communicate with you when you're talking about an injury. And when you do have some of these injuries, some of them, they do everything they can to try to keep the horse going and just going on to a career in retirement. Other times the injuries, they just can't overcome that. 
But what they fail to do is then go a couple steps further to talk about the care that does happen for the racehorses. The fact that there are vets there each and every day, blacksmiths there, the care that goes into the racehorses for their feed, for the stalls, for the stabling. And you'll see a lot of racehorses that are out there that have great careers in retirement going on to be same mounted police type of racehorses and that. But that's something where the racing industry has to do a better job of educating just the general public on all the other things that are so great about racing. So the focus isn't always just on horses and injuries. Well, let's put the focus on the horses. Who do you got this yes, week, sir. my friend? You know what? I'm going home cooking here. So I'm actually skipping Saturday racing. We're going Sunday at Hawthorne this week because I got three races at Hawthorne mm-hmm. that I really like. So we're going to bet all these horses across the board. Race number five, bet the four. Cowgirl Frankie across the board, 6-1, to one, ran a great race last out. Race 7, bet the 2, someone said so across the board. This one's 8-1 to one in the morning line and should come flying late. And then in race 8, we're going to bet the 3, Groveland across the board. This was a horse that was actually on the Derby Trail. They had a little bit of a misstep in the Tampa Bay Derby, so now they're coming to Hawthorne in an allowance race, and we'll try to see if that one wins as well. Ah, Jimmy Hawthorne, there's nothing like it. Hey, we appreciate it, buddy. You got it, guys. Good luck. Jimmy! Jim Miller, Hawthorne oh. Race Course. One more time for the people. Mikey gave the uh, race five, the four horse across the board. Race seven, the two horse across the board. And race eight, the three horse across the board. Lovely to get those picks from Jim Miller. Mike, let's get to our picks for the weekend. What do you got? Well, I'll tell you what. I've been looking, and I said I was going to give a, uh, what, what, what I would say is a three-way type of situation in golf, you know. But you know what? I got something better today that I think people like at uh, 310. Okay, now the podcast should be up with Eric and, of course, Shay here. We should be <laughs> two minutes. We should be up <laughs> plenty of time. Got two of the best who ever did it. Shane Lowry is minus 130 versus Patrick Reed. At 310, I will go with Shane Lowry. He don't, You don't have to be the biggest driver, but you know what? He'll stay on the fairways. What was that and matchup again, Mike? Shane Lowry minus 130 over Patrick Reed, uh, who is even right now. Or if you play with the tents online, plus 120. All right, I'm going to go baseball tonight a little bit. I, I love baseball tonight. I'm going to go with uh, a little bit of home cooking, like Jim said. I'm going to the south side, the White Sox, uh, on the road in Seattle. Yeah. Young Michael Kopech on the mound. He's been awesome lately. He has mm-hmm. been getting every out you could ask yes, from sir. him. White Sox plus 115 on the money line. Seattle, been a little better lately, but still kind of an underwhelming season after what happened a year ago. I like the White Sox to go on the road tonight. Late night game, 9-10 start, Central, and win that thing. Hey. And then I have another one for you, Mikey. Right, Tell me, me get, what you let think. Let me jump in with mine, and then you'll give yours, and then we could say goodbye. Okay? Go ahead. Because I'll tell you this, Shay. You're right about that. And the White Sox aren't that far out of things either. If they could get on a hot streak, you know, anything can happen. We got It's not even the All-Star break, uh, folks. Hey, the Boston Red Sox, Shay. You you know what? Not you know, Your Skrumski ain't walking through that door. Jim Rice ain't walking through that door. No way. I mean, you know, Garcia Perez not even walking through that door. But Tanner Haukes, and that's an issue. He's got a mid-five ERA. Yet they're mysteriously favored at Fenway. Uh, minus 125. Now it's gone to 130 against Domingo Germán, who I've bet with and won. I'm going to bet against them tonight. I'm taking Boston as the favorite in that game. That's my last one. Go ahead. I like that. The line smells funny, so you're getting off of it. Oh, yeah. All right. The other one I'm going to go to, the Phillies are on the West Coast as well. They're playing in Oakland. Oakland has been on 
fire lately. Yes, they yes, lost they yesterday. The, the winning streak ended, but they got a little lift from the reverse boycott. They got an average crowd in there for once. People were uh, excited to watch the Oakland A's. They're in a seven-game win streak. They dropped one yesterday, plus 115 home dogs. J.P. Sears on the mound against Taiwan Walker for the Phillies. I'm going with the Phillies because I think when you see a team like, and I get Philadelphia has not been great, but they have more talent than Oakland. Who doesn't? Oakland, I think, is getting a bit of a punch here, plus 115. Anytime they're a number like that, I'm staying away. I think there's value on getting the Phillies minus 135 tonight in Oakland. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. I mean, I heard, I heard somebody a couple weeks ago say, now's the time. Keep betting against Oakland, and then Oakland all of a sudden won. So be careful. So be recap careful. for me, I've got Oakland, or excuse me, I've got Philly minus. 135 tonight, and I've got the White Sox plus 115 on the road in Seattle. Yeah, and I have uh, Boston minus 120 tonight over uh, the New York Yankees, and I have Shane Lowry uh, tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It, it's a 3 o'clock start, and uh, I'll say this about Shane Lowry. He's a regular-looking guy. He's got <laughs> a beard. He doesn't really... He seems unkept. He's right up our alley, Shay. I mean, I mean, not that you're unkept, but he he doesn't seem like a impeccably like a, uh, a Jack Nicholas guy, you know, button down tiger guy, you know, one of those things, you know, where uh, he just looks like one of us, and it's always a pleasure to see one of us get it. So once again, I'm going to take Shane Lowry over, over Patrick Reed. Beautiful. All right, good hanging out with you, Mikey. You too, buddy. Carmen will be back next week, barring any changes. Shane Orling <laughs> was sitting in with you on The Odds Couple, presented by PropSwap. So long, everybody. This is The Odds Couple with Carmen DeFalco and Mike North. On ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.